During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, and the Martoni family. Paramount Pictures presents Steve Martin. You ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see Don Ho while you were there? See the second show, that's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Welcome back to Reconcinimation, everybody. This is Thanksgiving week. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And this is your show where we take a look at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're checking out how they hold up today here in 2019, almost 2020. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a big week this week. In America? Thanksgiving. It's, yeah, Thanksgiving. In America. American holiday. The United States of America, actually, to be clear, because uh, Canada is also part of America. Also Mexico. That is true, yeah. So I just want to be clear. Uh, yeah, well, I got it. I copy and I follow, and uh, it's nice to have a couple of days off. We're going to let uh, everybody out of the studio for a couple of days, air it mm-hmm. out. Air it uh, out. Recon Cinema yeah. Studios, you know, right in the heart of Hollywood and... You gotta, you gotta let everybody out and let it breathe for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it, it really improves the odor. It produce, uh, the trash uh, is reduced quite a bit. It's great mm-hmm. uh, when we come mm-hmm. back. It doesn't really uh, stink any any longer. And um, no, I mean this is I think I feel one of our more generous policies where yeah, you're allowed to leave the studio and yeah. spend some time for I don't know three four days. With your I family, will probably, sp- yeah, I'll probably spend some of the holiday, you know, up in the gold tower, just uh, monitoring, you know, as I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're very vigilant about, you know, keeping secu- things secure. Yeah, we have a lot of top secret projects that we're working on here at Recon Cinema Studios, so we got to mm-hmm. keep them under wraps. Yeah, we can't let it get out into the public. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this week we are talking about one of the all-time Thanksgiving classics, of which there are not that many, John Hughes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's the one. Uh, there really isn't that many. We, we debated about what to, what to do for Thanksgiving this year, and to me, Planes, Trains is is kind of the obvious one. But there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's what? What else did we talk about? We talked about Dutch, right? 
Dutch, also a Thanksgiving road trip movie, if you can believe it. So, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> it was an update um, in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, so Dutch, Home for the Holidays, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, God, I know there's there's others. There's just not all that many, though. Right. Christmas well, kind of just takes the holiday season, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, it's Christmas really takes over, and people don't like to talk about uh, the, those in-between times sometimes. And it's hard to sort of build uh, a film around the, th- the, the, the tension and the things that this, uh, sort of the Thanksgiving holiday can produce mm-hmm. in families. Because it's like one of the, in America, it's kind of this obligation holiday um, where where there might have been good feelings before, and then sometimes those things sour. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. We're, but we're going to talk about what? This film that um, is about, you know, two loving people trying to get home for the holidays and what happens when they have different personalities. Yeah. And we are so happy that you are spending your holiday listening to us talk about other people's holidays. So yeah, let's, yeah, you, let's just get to it. Yeah, let's get. Come on, jump in, jump in with <laughs> us. So, planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, 1987 film from John Hughes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just kind of cover the plot real quick for those that haven't uh, seen it in a while, or maybe never have seen it, and are giving our show a uh, a chance to to hear about it. So, sp- spoiler alert: stuff's coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, it is about uh, Steve Martin uh, and John Candy, who star as, uh, let's see, Neil Page and uh, Del Griffith. And they are two New York City workers who are trying to make their way home for to Chicago for the Thanksgiving holiday. And for one reason or another... They get delayed, rerouted, and uh, their journey kind of expands into a three-day trek across the country to get back to Chicago. Yeah. That's that's it. That's the movie. Yeah, that's over. That's it. That sounds like a, <laughs> a laugh fest. Let's go. I'm in. So the movie is the brainchild of one of I, I think what you'd call one of the true artists of the 80s, John Hughes. And okay. it's actually, John Hughes was kind of the, w- would you call him like the leader of the Brat Pack? I think he's kind like of the their, creator of the, He's the elder, you know, he's the the patriarch of the Brat Pack, I would say. Yes, yeah, w- way, to, way to put that. Yeah, yeah, you get me. Uh, but, uh, you know, someone who greatly identified with the with the teen audience and uh, had some incredible hits with, uh, let's see, what, Weird Science, uh, Ferris mm-hmm. Bueller, Breakfast Club. Um, mm-hmm. What else? There's tons in there. Uh, some kind of wonderful Pretty in Pink, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, whether he wrote or directed or wrote and directed some of those. Uh, they all kind of came from his mind, and he really was able to capture the zeitgeist of the 80s teen. And really, not just the 80s teen, but uh, teens in general. Yeah, he got the, teens. Yeah, he, he got teens. 
He got to. Got to. <laughs> that might, he might. He might not want that slogan. Where he <laughs> yeah. still he got so. he got teens, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is like this is his first real, actually one of his only real forays into just a strictly adult movie uh, about yeah, adults. Like, you know, with no. with adults as your main characters. I mean, in terms of in the Hughes verse, yeah. I mean, uh, no, there seems to be families. Uh, and those relationships and uh, yeah, almost everything he does. Yeah, you're right. Um, hmm. Let's see. And, and yeah, you know, some right. people, some some people actually feel like this is his best film. As great as Ferris Bueller and Breakfast Club are, usually those are kind of held kind of at the top of the list. Uh, a mm. lot of people feel Planes, Trains is really the one that kind of nails it on all levels. What do you mm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think this one hits things, you know, all of his films and and every great filmmaker, you know, you create these stories and you find these relatable moments or things that that touch on the human condition, the human emotion of things. And he's one of those people that hits it right out of the park uh, for uh, whether he's doing it. It's about the teen story or adults or parents or kids. Uh, trying to find their way and it's like you can sort of relate this one is kind of like perfectly put for an adult human adult person in America the stress of the road trip the 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 road trip as a, a quintessential American thing which we saw in National Lampoon's Vacation which mm-hmm. is one of our first episodes we ever did in season one and you can listen yeah you're one episode two yeah uh that he wrote did not direct and um this one is uh something that where he's he's all in writing directing producing it um it 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 probably is one of his standout ones a little probably has more of the timeless quality uh at least for now until we get automated cars you know this one's it I, i think this one stands the test of relatability through generations yeah, it really does. I mean, there's, you know, other than just some technology differences between 1987 and now, it's mm-hmm. uh, as a plot itself and um, anyone who's had travel difficulties, which we've all encountered that, uh, can definitely identify with this movie. Yeah. Well, and he, I mean, he was such a prolific writer and directed so few of his own things. I don't think he's ever directed something that he didn't write. Uh, I don't believe so, no. Yeah. So, I mean, he was so prolific in just uh, all the movies. And things that things that are very specifically the, the Hughes-averse, you know, that he injects a lot of himself, most of himself into all Yeah, films. well, we, we also call that the HCU. It, yeah, of course. The Hughes, <laughs> the, the Hughes Cinematic the, Universe. The, of course, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this one sort of fits snugly in the the this is a, a journey for two people to get back to their homeland the the Hughes homeland uh, of mm-hmm. Illinois uh, Chicago <laughs> yeah. literally uh, get back to the Hughesiverse <laughs> yeah like they're, they're they're on the outside trying to get back so this is uh, this is very comparable to Endgame don't you think oh um you mean Marvel's Avengers Endgame <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's like a it's a companion piece. 
Yeah, absolutely. This uh, <laughs> they they Marvel took a cue from how Hughes built his universe. Yeah, and that's that's why we have what we have. Yeah, well, from the HCU to the MCU, it's all it's all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and this, and, yeah, go ahead. No, I just don't, don't let don't let me talk over you. Just don't let. No, I mean I feel like I was talking way over you uh, <laughs> all the time. But like, listen, I've been and as you review a lot of the Hughes movies uh, that that he's been attached to, um, it's it's kind of it's kind of daunting to think like how many of these films he had written um, that were so ingrained in kind of eighties culture and even in th- and through the nineties too um, that. Man, he, he really is this guy that kind of shaped certain stories uh, for Hollywood mainstream audiences. Um, well, he re- yeah, I mean, he, he really did. I want to say he, he birthed the voice of the teen, you know, in, in film. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. It to- totally had a brand, teens had a brand new voice in the 80s with his 16 Candles Breakfast Club. Uh, weird science, Ferris Bueller's, all of yeah. that. I mean, I mean, what a what a, a great grouping of films. Uh, plus, pretty in yeah. of course. And, and they're all, you know, they're all interesting to look at now. Some of them, you know, still work a lot better than others. And yes, there are there are problems with some of that now. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the treatment of some of the characters, but that was, you know, it's it's a product of its time and. He, yeah. uh, you know, was was a, a strong voice for for the teen audience. So, yeah. Uh, but this planes trains is a little bit of a di- from a different breed. Uh, mm-hmm. He was actually inspired to write this from <laughs> when this essentially happened to him. He was trying to get from New York to Chicago, got rerouted to Wichita, and it ended up taking him five days to get back to Chicago Ugh. for Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So there is a lot of uh, exaggeration, but truth in in this story, and uh, and I think you see a lot of John Hughes in both uh, Del Griffith and Neil Page. Hmm. You think so? You know, Steve Martin and John Candy were like great, you know, two great halves of one <laughs> John Hughes. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, the the. That, that that personality of Del Griffith, uh, perfectly lovable, hilarious, uh, and also maybe just a little too much. <laughs> like, at well, all yeah, times. that's. I mean, I, yeah. you know. Um, and then you have that other side, that sort of left brain, sort of rational, but also not quite in touch with uh, the sort of the emotions, and that can't, you know, that that's why that friction exists between our two leads. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the internal struggle for that. I think we all have, like, we want to experience joy and silliness and kind of put away the bad feelings, but then sometimes we have to face our realities and the difficulties and, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the dichotomy. Am I using that right? Between Neil and, uh, and Dell, um, Mm -hmm. right there for us. So I think everyone who watches this film, identifies with Neil a lot and then can identify with Dell a lot. Like, I don't think there's like, Oh, I don't even understand one of these characters. It's just one yeah. of them. So annoying. No, it's like, I think for a, a, a rational, reasonable person, we see ourselves in each of one of them, whether we want to admit it or not. 
Yeah. Well, and that's the genius of casting who he cast uh, in these roles. I don't know if you'd get that with a lot of other actors at the time. I mean, I'm sure there would be, you know, parts of it would stay, would still be funny, but you really, these guys were able to capture the real emotion behind it, you know, without being melodramatic about it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you totally buy Steve Martin as this angsty, you know, average, you know, businessman who just wants to get back to his family. He's, you know, kind of over his job and over his, you know, his whole work life and is, you know, working the nine to five career. Mm-hmm. And, and in uh, a career that, that takes him out of town a lot. So he's away from these people that he loves. Right. So, you know, in the struggle of getting home, he realized, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, you know. And he's going, kind of going through a change of what he thinks he's supposed to do. Uh, you know, they don't dwell too hard on it, but you can see he's the struggle of it uh, is changing him. And the, ad, the, the added struggle from being with Dell just makes it that much worse, but also probably mm-hmm. easier for him to make choices later that all he has to do is get home to them. Um, and uh, uh, and then for such a long time, he sees Dell as sort of this villain or, you know, just the, the, this thing he has to tolerate. But also uh, he sees his good nature and helps him out and, and is with him for as long as he can, for as long as his conscience, conscience, conscience will let yeah. him be, uh, be a part of that. Well, in a way, it's like Dell is his conscience. Right. You know, and that's why they keep they keep separating and keep almost by fate ending up back together. Yeah. And Neil is like forced to continue on this this track with with Dell. Yeah. But, but and it's uh, funny because you know, go ahead. No, no, no. Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, it's funny because Neil almost makes it worse for himself <laughs> you know, right from mm. the very beginning. I mean, when when the film starts, he's in. Uh, the office with Ferris Bueller's dad. Yeah. And they're in, <laughs> which is, we're going to get back to the Hughesiverse and all the, the interconnecting fluid here that, that connects everything, almost like all the other John Hughes movies through planes, trains. Um, but he's, you know, clearly in some kind of office pitch meeting and they're just, waiting and waiting and waiting for their boss who's played by the great William Wyndham uh, mm-hmm. who was in one of the better uh, Star Trek the original series episodes mm-hmm. um, yeah uh, anyway so while they're waiting mm-hmm. for him to decide on you know whatever advertising uh, campaign they're going to go with you know very clearly like, <laughs> lays out that he has a uh, six o'clock flight from New York to Chicago and he's going to be late if they don't hurry it up. And yeah. right there, you know, his, his Ferris Bueller's dad is like, you're not going to make the six, like wait and yeah. take the eight out. You're never, you're never going to get there. And right after, you know, from right from the get go, he's just pushing it and pushing it and almost like going against the grain, you know? Oh yeah. Well, he's going to do it his way. You know, he's, he, he, he figures he's, he's the boss. He's going to do it the way he thinks he's got to do it. And it never mm-hmm. works out. Nothing ever works no, out. No, never. <laughs> Nothing that Neil Page plans or even wants to do 
happens at all, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so he encounters, you know, on his way out of his office building when he's having a uh, non-dialogue uh, chase scene with Kevin Bacon of all people mm-hmm. in kind of one of my favorite Bacon. cameos. <laughs> yeah. Bacon's Bacon's back on reconsinimation. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Bacon, Bacon, what is this? His third appearance on the show? I think. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, we did Footloose, Animal House, uh, and yeah. uh, Friday oh, the wait, 13th. And Trem- Tremors. Wait. And Tremors. This is his fifth appearance. This bacon. This is the bacon show. This oh is. Oh my god! This is the five timers club. Bacon gets in. The Kevin Bacon year. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Wow, we've done a lot of bacon. For yeah, we're... for wait for which just a quick aside, um, not counting no counting every official episode we've done. This is our fiftieth episode. So, oh my god, it is. Happy 50th episode. Happy 50th. After a year it's and a, a half, we've we got to 50. Uh wow. Yeah. How about it's our that? thanks It's our Thanksgiving episode. It's our 50th episode. What a what a special week it is. Yeah, this is pretty great. Uh, wow. Yeah. Congratulations, brother. Yeah, coming coming to you just in time for the holiday. So, uh thanks for thanks for being with us. Yeah, and thanks to Kevin Bacon for being intent 10% of our episodes. <laughs> wow. Holy it's crap. Kind of, kind of insane. That's uh, an unintentional, I think, from get-go. So, anyway. Well, you know, next week we're covering sleepers, and uh, after that's a few good men, and uh, then flatliners. So, <laughs> Booyah. Let's yeah, go. right in time for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is... Uh, Kevin Bacon doesn't have a single word of dialogue here, and I think it's just brilliant. Yeah, no, it's perfect because everyone who's watching this film recognizes him, for the most part, I would think. Uh, yeah, know? yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he's no, just I mean, there. He's a star. I mean, in 1987. He, he had just done Whitewater Summer for crying out loud. The world knew Bacon. <laughs> Bacon. <laughs> Bacon was on everyone's, uh, <laughs> everyone's lips. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so while he's you know chasing uh, down a cab. Uh, with Kevin Bacon, he eventually loses it, and that's where he has his first encounter with Del Griffith. Although he doesn't realize it till later that he, when he trips over the trunk into the street. Yeah. So from and then he the has moment... a quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a quick encounter with the villain from Die Hard Three. What? Yeah. Wait. So. What? Yeah, the other oh. guy he's trying to like he bribes to get his cab. Oh. And while they're negotiating, that's when Dell ends up stealing that 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 cab from him. So, mm-hmm. oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not realize. I didn't even put that together. So yeah, he finally makes it to the airport, and and uh, you know that's where he really meets Dell face to face in the in the waiting room, or not the waiting room, the uh, you know in the the uh, what do you call those at the airport when you're waiting for your flight? That is called a terminal. Like. You're at the terminal, yeah, the gate uh, seat, yeah, yeah, they're at the gate seating area. Sure. The gate, yeah. The gate. And did you see what he was reading, what book Dell's reading? Uh, Canadian Mounted was <laughs> yeah. <is> the name, <laughs> which just I didn't write open. down, I just remember yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, genius. Uh, I mean, I kind of want to read that book myself. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure I mean, it's highly educational. Yeah, you can learn a lot about Canadian lifestyles. And there was some uh, there was some confusion on the flight time from New York to Chicago because when you look at his ticket, it appears that the flight's only 45 minutes. But David, you know much better than everyone else how long that flight is. Being a Chicago well, native, what do you mean? What do you mean? Forty-five minutes? No, it takes off at six, arrives at what time? There's a time nine? change. There's a time change. There's always a one-hour time change, but it's basically so it, a two-hour flight. It's basically yeah, it's an hour and forty-five minute flight, mm-hmm. but with the time change, it's he arrives at six forty-five. It's at six to six forty-five. Yeah. Well. No, that makes sense. Did I just blow your mind with that? No, because that, no, that's an accurate, that's how long it would take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Local time, 6.45. Doesn't the math work uh, for you? You said it. You got it. You're right. You're you're commenting that it's wrong, but I think, you, no, it's No, accurate. I think there was confusion. There was some minor, minor confusion with uh, some audience members. Like, I was oh, screening I it, it for for a party of fifty three people when we watched mm-hmm. it down mm-hmm. in the uh, in the studio in the screening room number four, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, people were like, "What? It's not forty five minutes." It's and then oh. I said, "Guys, there's a time change. Have you ever been from New York to Chicago? There's a it's a time zone change. Come on, time everybody. zone. Yeah. So and then he said he'd be home by nine. Uh, I think, yeah, and that's eight. the whole. Right by by eight, I think. I think eight <laughs> yeah. originally. Yeah, and that's and then the he whole, gets delayed, you know, and then he's like, "I'll get, a, I'll be home by nine. Like he adds an yeah. hour, it's, which is like, what flight are you getting on? By the way, it's, what, what the, the whole driving about? force of the movie is he's trying to get home to his family for Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's hungry, or I guess. Yeah, he's they got a big turkey, <laughs> maybe a turducken. Mm-hmm, maybe. Um, yeah, so, and and as it goes on, you know, they just encounter more and more problems. The plane, there's too, it's too, what, it's too icy and there's too much snow in Chicago, so they can't land there. The plane's diverted to Wichita. They end up, uh, what, they get up, instead of sleeping in the airport f- overnight, which probably would have been their best bet in order to get on the next flight. They end up going to a hotel. They share a room. They get robbed. So they have no money. They can't get back to the airport. And mm-hmm. hijinks ensue. And throughout the movie, we let's let's talk about the Hughes averse for a second. Let's go back okay. to that. Okay, let's let's dial it back. Where are so, we? Where are we going? There are John Hughes actors all over this movie. Mm-hmm. And you could, I think, in, there's a there's a world where you could make a case where all you know all the Hughes movies are kind of connected here to Planes Trains. With Planes Trains would be the centerpiece. So uh, okay, all right, I want to hear it. So let's go. You've got so you've got uh, you could you think you could argue that that's actually Ferris Bueller's dad. It could be. I mean, you would Could be. You don't know much yeah. about him. He's a businessman. He could, you know, do some part-time work in the New York office, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he, t- he travels. You don't know what he does for a living in downtown Chicago. No, you don't yeah, know. Of, cor- of course he would go to 
New York for business. That makes sense. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've got Edie McClurg, who uh, also appears in... Gosh, she appears in Ferris Bueller, obviously, as the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Principal Rooney's secretary. Right. And is she also in Home Alone? Oh, is Edie in... Oh, is she in Home Alone? I, I or am I? I'm. She's one of the uh, the female police officer who gets who Catherine O'Hara calls to check on the house. Is she one of them? Oh, I don't. I don't know about that one. What no, she Alone? might not be. Ninety four. Ninety. Get out of town. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think she was in Home Alone. No. Okay. All right. She was in well, Curly but, Sue. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't mm. know if you. Which is a movie that John Hughes wrote and directed. So, and okay. part of the Hughesiverse. So, there we go. <laughs> uh, but Larry Hankin is one of the uh, you know police officers that Catherine O'Hara talks to. Uh, oh, is he really? So, oh, yeah. He's also and the, he's the, the, he, the taxi driver. Yeah, he's the taxi driver here. Ah, interesting. And okay. he's been in a zillion and one movies. He has been in a zillion and one. Uh, uh, you, you know, you've got Kevin Bacon, which uh, connects to John Hughes' very next film, She's Having a Baby. Right, yep. That's which is also... What, why he was running to get a cab, because she's having right. a baby. She's yeah. having a baby. Steve Martin, let him get the cab. He's got to get to <laughs> the, the baby. Come on. Um, also, there's a scene, there's a shot where the... Uh, where Neil Page's wife is watching like late night TV while she's waiting up for him to get home mm-hmm. and she's watching a movie and the movie she's watching is she's having a baby. Oh, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. She's watching the movie that was going to come out months later. Yeah, they <laughs> must have they must have uh you know, he must have just put that in a post and they were yeah. probably had already shot she's having a baby and just yeah. a cool little little touch to connect those movies. Hmm. How about that? So, well, I guess it's, also, it's kind of like the yeah. Go ahead. But I mean, if you're going to connect them, I mean, your your big through line is John Candy showing up in National Lampoon's Vacation, showing up in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles as the lead, mm-hmm. uh, and as the lead also with Dan Aykroyd in The Great Outdoors and in Uncle Buck, <laughs> like and Home Alone. The, he is in Home Alone, so also yeah. part with has which has a road trip element that John Candy is a part of. Uh, wow, could there just John Candy? Uh, I how mean, many John Candies are running around in the Hughesiverse. Yeah, a lot. There's a lot of yeah, yeah. This ah, really John. needs a. We need to. We need to make a movie where we have characters that go back into the Hughesiverse and mm. connect everything. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. <laughs> you know, maybe like, I don't know, we'll just put like, maybe Paul Rudd, um, maybe Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson. You know, we'll just get a couple of those guys together. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, we'll just throw them back to get in there. We, we, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that I think that we can make it all work. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously Hughes loved working with the talents he could, he could rely upon. Uh, and love that he trusted, and you know, uh, John Candy is one of those 
those go-to guys. Mm-hmm. That for, yeah, for he's one of his regular years. players for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, why wouldn't you want to always work with the people you care about, or are friends with, that you know can give you exactly what you need, uh, that matches your tone? You know, it's like come play with your friends. Let's make a movie. Come on. Would you say that John Candy is John Hughes's muse? No. I mean, <laughs> I have no evidence. Muse. I have no <laughs> evidence to support that. I don't I don't know. <laughs> that could really go either way. <laughs> I don't know. He speaks a lot through him, so well, all of his characters speak through him. I mean, or he speaks through all of these characters. He's written like 25 movies. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but Candy was, uh, I think Candy was at his best when he was with John Hughes. Um, obviously, he has lots of other uh, great films as well. But, uh, and it's funny because their careers kind of, kind of stopped at almost the same time as well. And I know when John Candy sadly passed away in 1994 that it really affected John Hughes. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, He really, that was actually one of the reasons he kind of just took himself out of the spotlight was just because he was affected by Candy's death. Yeah, I mean, he, the last movie he directed was in 91 for Curly Sue. Well, it came out in mm-hmm. 91. I mean, who knows if he ever would get back in the director's chair. But clearly, even though he continued to write and produce, you know, he, you know, maybe he lost, yeah, he lost that, that flair for it. That, you know, he's just like, he, he can't have candy. He can't have one of his most, uh, one of his best weapons. Uh, maybe he was never going to do that again, you know. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's it's one of the interesting things that that's my theory is that you know great directors only have a certain amount of great films in them, mm-hmm. and once they've you know we've talked about it here before. Once once they've kind of told their story, you know that's that's kind of it. Some of them can string it along and keep going, and sure they can keep making movies, but they don't have the heart and the soul that they did previously, and and it was. You know, I, I guess it was looking back, it was good that John Hughes got out when he did, so we never got like a watered down version of him. Yeah, yeah, like just just directing because for directing's sake, writing things. Yeah, that, just know, a job. He, yeah, I mean, because he continued to write, and you know, I, I think if you put him at the helm of these things, I don't know how much greater they could be. Uh, but I mean, he's still a talent that understands story, and it's just sort of like, you know. If he directed Baby's Day Out, I mean, would we would we be talking about that in the 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 Hughesiverse, even though he wrote it? Uh, you mean he he actually wrote Dutch, if you can believe it. So we were talking mm-hmm. about Dutch, which is not quite as revered as a road trip holiday movie. Um, which I I don't know. I, There's a lot of like it's it's surprising how many how many Dutch fans there are. I think I think Dutch works as a thing. We may have to check it out maybe next Thanksgiving. I don't know. Yeah, we'll just book uh, it. But. Book it, baby. But you know, twenty twenty, Thanksgiving, Dutch. <laughs> but he, you know, he wrote that that new one hundred ones, hundred one Dalmatians in the nineties. He, you know, Flubber, Home Alone three. He's going back to the well, uh, uh, and and Made in Manhattan, which was a huge J Lo movie, two thousand two. Uh, John Hughes wrote that. He wrote Made in Manhattan. 
Or at least was everybody, one of the credited writers. Everybody gets one pass, okay? Yeah. But imagine if he wrote, if he directed any of these, he'd be solely responsible. We'd be talking about his mm-hmm. lead, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, it, he, he, he left the director's chair right when it was needed for him. You know, not that it matters. I mean, you could always look at these great things that are, are part of someone's career um, that you're not going to say that, oh, well, they, they lost a step or something. It's like, well, no, all of those great movies have been told all those great stories have been told and they're still out there doing what they want to do uh mm-hmm. you, i think i think everyone sort of gets as many victory laps as you you're all as you can get if you're one of these people you know keep keep making movies do direct yeah. silly things direct the fun things you want that are very commercial and not as quite maybe as personal and intimate but eh, what, what have some fun so uh yeah hughes Gave us he gave us everything I think that he had in him as a mm-hmm. uh, a writer and director and um and this is uh, yeah I th- you know I guess if I'm gonna go with any yeah I mean probably Planes Trains and Ferris Bueller are my top two to honestly um, yeah in terms of I gotta enjoyment. I gotta throw um I gotta throw Breakfast Club up there that's uh you know Breakfast Club Ferris Bueller Planes mm-hmm. Trains those are my top three sure. Um, I, I mean, the others, Bruce. there's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of the others are still fun, but there's, you know, clearly there's some, some, uh, sexist stuff going on all over the place mm-hmm. and weird, weird science. And even with some of the other Molly Ringwald things, there's, you know, yeah. some of it is a little bit hard to get through now, but, uh, and well, Molly prob- Ringwald has, you know, kind of opened up about her experiences, which weren't always great. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I still see, you know, Breakfast Club as a really, really important film for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Ferris Bueller is just, is kind of a masterpiece and, and this is too. And it's just, you know, this is for, you know, he made this movie for adults mm-hmm. and it's funny, yeah. this movie got rated, was rated R. Well, there's a lot of f bombs in it. I think. Well, that's, that's the, why. That's that's the only reason it got the R rating was that I, one scene with the <laughs> f bombs. And I meant to check, be like, oh, is this still in that that range where you could do whatever you want in a PG thirteen movie and showing you know exposed breasts and smoking and f bombs and all that? But clearly, it did not. It did not. Not that there's any breasts in this movie, but there's so many f bombs with that scene with him and Edie McClurk, which is just so wonderful. Oh my god, uh, so great. So funny. Both of them. And, they're like just at their you know, they're just both so brilliant in it. Mhm. It's just so fun. So good. Uh but yeah, no, like, yeah, our rating. This this is this is a hard R <laughs> if you really think about it. Yeah. Oh, well, the trains are blowing. I don't know if you heard Oh that. yeah, train right coming right by the uh the studio by. right now. I I insisted we set up shop next to the trains in case I need a quick getaway. Yeah, well, that's always good to good to know that you can do that, and you like yeah. to you know do the do the you know the old time hobo thing. You like that mm-hmm. look sometimes. Just yeah, for yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, it's it's a <laughs> sometimes style. you just like to hop on a train, you know, ride it for a few states and head back. Ride the rails, baby. Why not? Um, yeah. So, just John Candy, though. I miss him. I love him. He was so great. It was uh, a, a sad, you know, a, another sad ending. 
uh, when, you know, kind of finishing up with, what was it, Wagons East? Wagons East was his last appearance on film. Yeah. He, you know, he tried to go a little bit dramatic in the early 90s and his, you know, he just wasn't, he, his his movies weren't hitting and registering the way they were through through the, uh, throughout the 80s. And I don't really know what it was. I think people just maybe wanted to see something new from him and he, and I don't think he had figured out what that was. I'm sure had he lived, we would have seen a really interesting arc to Candy's career. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I feel sure like he a, would have a different renas- a renaissance uh, mm-hmm. going on somewhere in the 2000s like oh, this is Candy at his his most unexpected and greatest. Uh something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we would have seen as he got older, I think we would have seen him make that dramatic turn and it would have worked cuz he was good at a drama. I mean, there's some of the moments in Planes Trains these that really you know, that that kind of heated confrontation they have in the in the hotel room when mm-hmm. Steve Martin just goes off on him at, relentlessly yeah. and mm-hmm. you just you feel so sad like he's right. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. Del Griffith is gross and um, annoying, but he's sweet and he's well intentioned, and he mean you know he means well and and you kind of watch his heart get a little broken there, and Candy sells it so well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, he, these guys are feel it. perfectly cast. Yeah, uh, th- yeah, they're a perfect duo. Um, a per- yeah, a perfect duo that each one of them brings something so dif- different and distinct um, that plays off each other so well uh, in terms of their personality. And, um, and they're, yeah and, yeah, and they're playing just like extensions of themselves. So oh, they're not yeah, really for sure. reaching that far for these characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of the each personality is something you're used to. You're sort of used to Steve Martin as like sort of the, you know, uh, trying to be trying to be straight laced, but always put upon sort of neurotic kind of straight man. And then Candy, mm-hmm. sort of the fun loving, like big personality. Um, and of course, like you're going to create that friction if you if you have to put them in tense situations. So they get to they get to play up. They get to both be really funny in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and if quick quick correction, ahead. wagons wagons these was not his last film role. This is the last thing he filmed, but uh, Canadian Bacon actually from ah uh, yes. was filmed yeah. was filmed uh, filmed earlier in this career and was released after Wagons East. But I just Correct. want to be clear on yeah. that. I stand corrected. That's my fault. I I I yes and you. So my bad. Uh, and so if you're if you're looking to uh, catch up uh, catch up on some John Candy stuff uh, leading up to Planes Trains was uh, Summer Rental, Armed and Dangerous, Little Shop yeah. of Horrors, which he's just got a small role in, and then mm-hmm. of course your favorite, Spaceballs. Spaceballs, how great was he in Spaceballs? Oh my God, he's Barf? a genius! Come on, he's the best. Barf. He shows he shows up in everything. He was in Brewster's Millions. <laughs> Brewster's Millions, remember that? Splash, Splash, and uh, really kicked it off, I think, for him. Yeah, well, I mean, sure. What about Stripes, though, going back stripes. a little bit? <laughs> yeah, you got Stripes, and then, of course, The Great Outdoors, which is another 
Uh, I guess that's a mix of a, he's kind of a straight man, but also a little bit slapsticky in there. He kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, it's these, these these two dads going at it, you know, both both being silly. Him and Dan Aykroyd, more charming than it probably deserves to be, <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of. But it works. Uh, I I watched that a lot on, uh, in HBO. I think back in the day. But uh, yeah. I, I I think um, who's Harry Crumb? I think is a bit underrated and yes, uh, yeah. I think beloved. Delirious is fantastic. I don't uh, I don't care what anybody says. Uncle Buck. Uh, of course, I think he. I think he did well. I think I know the movie is kind of a misfire for some, but I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of I think great emotional, you know, connectivity between him and the and the the kids in the film. Like he he really connects with. Uh, oh, who was the lead actress in that? Who was the teenage daughter? Oh gosh, I can't remember her name. That was wait. I bet I can pull it if I click yeah, on this pull link. It. I bet I can pull this. <laughs> Oh, I just clicked the Harry Crumb one. <laughs> oh no, big mistake. Uh, Amy Madigan. Amy Madigan was his sister. Nope, that's Amy. the sister. Never mind. Yep. Sorry. Wait a minute. Hang on. Give me a second. Jean Louisa Kelly. Yes, is Tia. Yes, is that right? Yes, Jean Louisa. That is correct. All right. So I didn't know her name. Never would have figured it out. But you know, Uncle Buck had Macaulay Culkin and Gabby Hoffman. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they were about to break out. Gabby Hoffman, right. of course, was in the Freaky Friday remake with Shelley Long. And, mm-hmm. you know, she did the best she could. Let's, let's... <laughs> she did fine. It was okay. She's no <laughs> she Jodie Foster, fine. but we love her. She was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love we love John Candy, and we're gonna explore a lot more of his work as we as we go on in this show. I think we got a lot more candy ahead of us. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to watch Delirious, Uncle Buck, Great Outdoors, Hot to Trot. Even <laughs> I haven't the... seen Delirious or Summer Rental in so long. So, oh, I'm man. looking forward to those. We gotta we gotta get in there. Also, I didn't realize Candy is also in. She's having a baby, uncredited. Ah uh, yes, and so he, pl- he is he, just all over John Hughes, and he plays the same character from The Great Outdoors in this. <laughs> what? what? It's, oh my god! <laughs> apparently, the same character Chet he plays in Great Outdoors is the, the character in She's Having a Baby in his small uncredited role. So, well, I I know what I'm watching over Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean it's the 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 trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. John Hughes just connects the whole thing. Wow, great. he does. It's all connected through the Hughesiverse. Um, so what is it? What is it about this movie? This is the road trip movie to end all road trip movies. What? What is? Yeah, it? well, is it the hold comedy? on. We, is it the before we go the there? Thanksgiving. What is it? Before we go there, we should talk. Uh, let's talk about Steve Martin for a second. He was the oh, other lead right. of the movie. The other guy in the movie? All right. Yeah, there's another guy besides John Candy. Uh, I mean, all right. He's still alive, though. What do we care? <laughs> I don't... Uh, Steve Martin was kind of... I loved Steve Martin so much as a kid. Um, I, sure. I think the first thing I saw him in was was uh, Two Wild and Crazy Guys on Saturday Night Live. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, sure. yeah I, I had a Best of Steve Martin videotape, and just completely loved i mean i thought he was hilarious and 
and he you know he was a, a really brilliant stand-up comic from the you know early, late 60s and early 70s and I highly recommend if you haven't heard Steve's stand-up from back then mm-hmm. track it down it's pretty damn funny yeah it still holds up yeah yeah he's very funny uh, so he eventually you know became a pretty big stand-up star and then transitioned into into films with the jerk and dead men don't wear plaid and the man with two brains and all of me a lot of uh carl reiner stuff mm, yeah have you uh, what was the last i know people love the jerk people really do i am not a big fan of it i could see that i can see that i i i like the jerk i don't think it's i i don't like going back to it that all that much but I mean, it's fine. I, I think it's good. It's it's really funny. It's it's definitely him at his, uh, you know, it's the epitome of Steve Martin. I think, but um, well, it's like it's like silly Steve Martin, and and it's you know, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of racial uh, issues. Let's just say that don't well, hold up in twenty nineteen. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't hold up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not. That's not something I'm going to go to. I think when I was younger, it was sort of like, oh, you can always look to the jerk. Like, you're going to you talk about how funny that is. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's funny. But um, I don't know. It, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure what my favorite Steve Martin movie is. I'm not sure. Hmm. I haven't really thought about that. Well, you know, it's it's once he gets... You know, kind of into the mid '80s, you've got, of course, Three Amigos. You've got Little Shop of Horrors, which he's brilliant in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Roxanne. Yeah, Roxanne's great. Roxanne's great. Uh, what else? A Parenthood. He's Parenthood really good in. He, yeah, he really he re- he rocked that one. Uh, yeah. Planes, Trains, Automobiles probably one. I guess probably is one of my best. One. I don't know. Hmm. I think I think it's one of his strongest performances for sure. Because again, he, you know, they've got some physical humor going on. They've got they've got uh, some dramatic stuff happening as well. And and he again nails both. Yeah, it's 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 he, him at his best at, at as and his most relatable too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's it. That's the thing with these two guys is that they're so relatable, and you can uh, easily identify with both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel like real Neil Page and Del Griffith are actual people. Yeah. And they're two sides of the same coin, if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. I like My Blue Heaven, though, That with him and Rick Moranis. Oh, that's a good one. That's such a fun one. I love that one. It's so good. It's Speaking so weird. Because it's kind of weird, right? Like, it's just weird. He plays this, like, Italian like gangster kind of or mob you know mobster well isn't he playing henry hill i yeah i guess that's the idea like it's this which, other the other version of the henry hill story like, yeah which is which is ray liotta's character from goodfellas so <laughs> yeah 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 uh it's it's so the let's family make, it a, make let's make a long game that the hughes and the scorsese-verse are connected yeah of course they clearly are Absolutely. Clearly, yeah. Um, but you were going to say about Rick Moranis? Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he was almost cast in this movie. He was almost Rick Moranis and John Candy. Oh come on! 
That would be great. That would have been great. I mean, this was this was at the prime of Rick Moranis's career too. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think that would have worked. I, I do feel like Steve Martin uh, was a better fit. Yeah, but Moranis would have worked great too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you need Did that Mar- height difference. Yeah, yeah. Did Moranis work with John Hughes? Was there a connection there? Hmm. That's, a, that's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I know he worked with Candy and he worked with Steve Martin, but I don't think he worked with Hughes directly. Yeah, I don't think so. I'd have to look into that. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think he was in the Hughesiverse at any point. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to think on this. I'll get back yeah. to you. Yeah, okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, so what you were asking before, kind of what what is it about this movie? So yeah, you know, go it? go ahead with that. Oh, I'm like, well, you know, what is it? I mean, is it is it that is it that road trip thing? That tension of, uh, God, I get, I'm never gonna get home. All these things get in my way. Every time you think you're making progress, something goes wrong. Is it just that that feeling? Is it? I mean, I don't think we all have a story where we could say we had this like prolonged relationship with a stranger that kind of got under us. But I think we all sort of meet our, not opposite, but our sort of our complimentary villain, you know, the person that just can get to us quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. So whether you spend a few minutes with them, uh, you know, that somehow, geez, someone I never met before. And I kind of, I can't stand this person and I don't know why. um, Is it that, you know, we, we're both trying to do the best we can. We're all trying to do the best we can to get to our families where we, where we feel we belong and something always gets in the way. And, or is it just the straight up comedy of the whole thing? Um, that it's just like, this is life. This is, this is an exaggerated tale of the life we live. Um, I'm sure there are people who have had harrowing road trip adventures that you wouldn't believe it. Even if they made it into a movie, I'm sure that exists. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess we all there's. I think there's a little bit of each that we can sort of uh, cling to and say like, yeah, yeah. This, this I, I, think, I get. I think the answer is both. You know, it's yeah. uh, we we can connect with both of those. I mean, sure, you may not have done a uh, three day uh, <laughs> trek across the country with a stranger, but I think you know you've you've had those moments where you're. You know, uh, I know when my family and I have gone to Italy, we've kind of like buddied up with, you know, other people as we're trying to travel from from one city to another and dealing with, you know, bus delays and bus problems. And, um, you know, I think everyone's had that moment and can, you know, can identify with it. Sure. Yeah. You know, my my, uh, my I guess the. Uh, closest kind of version of this on a very this is a very small scale compared to <laughs> compared to uh, what these guys go through but mm-hmm. you know it was the end of my freshman year of high school and I had stayed late for some of my uh, finals or, or I had stayed after after finals were over for some reason and I ended up missing the last bus and I live in a town where there, there's, or I grew up in a town where there's no public transportation and there's no, there's no sidewalks. It's not easy to really walk anywhere. You know, there's no streetlights. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another guy waiting who I, you know, had been friends with when we were much younger, but, uh, um, we just kind of like looked at each other and we were both waiting for a bus that wasn't, that both of us knew wasn't coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we knew we kind of lived pretty close to each other. So we were just like, Hey, you want to, uh, should we walk home? Which was like 15 miles. <laughs> it was like oh. definitely something more than walkable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we did, and we ended up walking, you know, all the way through town and, walked pretty much all the way home before uh you know we got to his house and then another friend of mine pulled over and gave me a ride the rest of the way but you know we spent basically an entire day walking across our town and and we became best friends and uh you know a love story was born wow how about that (laughs) yeah i love that yeah so amazing story uh, that's that's the closest thing i've done to compare compare to this so yeah wow huh no i don't have any like uh, like prolonged kind of exposure i've definitely you know i've made good (laughs) i've had a couple of flights where actually like my seatmate uh happened to be just someone i could get along with this uh god it was i guess 10 years ago some i take a flight i don't even remember i was going but I immediately this woman that I was next to we just sort of understood each other and it was great we just had an amazing kind of flight together and knew we would I think our ultimate destinations weren't even the same city but we were like I think one of us was connecting to somewhere and like we knew we'd never see each other again but Mm -hmm. uh, it was just sort of like it wasn't like we were having an adventure but we were making fun of our other seatmate we were were talking about the (laughs) some of the other people like further up in the plane, um, I remember talking, uh, discussing some like the clothes somebody else was wearing. But it's just sort of like, hey, we're kind of like just relating on all sorts of dumb, silly things, uh, and uh, you know, just knowing that our journeys were going to continue to go. But at least in this like brief moment, these couple hours, uh, you know, we can kind of connect. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's you never know who you can sort of. Uh, make allies with or make friends with um yeah when it's uh when you're under the stress of of something like that yeah yeah do you have a uh do you have a favorite scene in the movie favorite scene i would huh huh i could tell you mine yeah i I love i love their whole that first hotel interaction and when they're in bed together. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's so like if you've ever had to, I was in a travel camp as a uh, kid and, you know, shared beds with, you know, like, well, we shared rooms with like five or six of us in a room and, and there'd be like two or three of us in a bed. And uh, I remember that same thing of just like, Oh my God, what is this person doing? You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the the boundaries have been crossed. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, the whole I mean, that... the, the shower thing too of like, why uh, is everything wet in here, and why are all the towels <laughs> soaked and on the floor? Yeah, that I think everyone can sort of relate to that one. It's like there is everything is soaking wet. <laughs> like, 
how what happened what did i miss here (laughs) yeah 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 and it's just like i didn't do this why did you do this to me (laughs) that that frustration i mean it's even great when he just steps out of the shower and you look at the the towel rack and it's it's deceptive how small that that washcloth is (laughs) yeah it's like because it's it's a different frame and then he pulls it and it's just a tiny washcloth it's the smallest thing you could ever see and it's uh so funny uh, I don't know. I mean, boy, I think maybe it's actually funny. I forgot. I always forget about how it's it's more slapsticky where John Candy's like taking off his parka and gets both arms caught in yeah. uh, on on the car seat, and it's just sort of this and like just the silliest. It's the silliest part of the movie, I think, where it's just sort mm-hmm. of he's trying to navigate the car. The car. Stuff, yeah. The car stuff's very slapsticky, you know. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a it's it's light because it doesn't because Dell is going through this total panic and terror, and he's going to kill them both. And uh, Neil does it; he sleeps through the whole thing, and he doesn't even realize anything's going to happen. I, I mm-hmm. just i I think that's I, for just the broad comedy of it all. I don't know; it's not it's, it's not the best scene of the movie, but it's it's something I always th- I like after I watched it. I'm like. I've thought about that scene a bunch because I'm like, God damn, that's so funny. Like, it's so yeah. silly and ridiculous. So, but uh, him, him, I like, I, you know, and I always forgot about the scene where after at the second hotel, after the car is burned up and, and Dell is out in the car and then mm-hmm. uh, Neil invites him in basically. And they have like a, just a, I forgot that they were just up, drinking and talking and all of oh that. yeah and, that's a great scene that's another just, great scene i was just like oh i forgot about this i love this because it it, it brings everything back down to home like it, it yeah it, back down uh, it's very grounded um even though there's some deception involved it's just sort of like you understand they they understand each other and even though uh dell's hiding some information um it's it's like hey they actually seem like they're friends they can laugh and and just have a drink and talk and yeah and like they've gone through so much that it's fine let's have let's have chips and drink and talk and laugh i don't know it's a really nice it's a really nice way to to watch them both together yeah and, and that's a good one of the few setups for the kind of twist at the ending so spoiler alert for those who haven't watched um you know that that's one of the few things that John Hughes uses throughout the movie to kind of set up what's what you end up finding out about Dell, and and I love that whole ending sequence. You know, once Steve Martin gets on the train, um, I love the music uh, that you know very '80s kind of score that's going on there. Uh, it it totally gets me every time. Um, yeah, that the shot where Steve Martin is kind of like you know, where he's reflecting on his trip with Dell and he's just kind of laughing at himself. Yeah. That was actually, that was actually, you know, between takes, they just rolled the camera and it was, that was in reality, that was Steve Martin trying to memorize his lines and, you know, recall his lines. And uh, Oh, really? Yeah, and they ended up using it in the film. But, you know, once he puts together, like, what was really going on with Dell this whole time, I just love that moment where he, you know, he just kind of re-embraces him and lets yeah. him in, like, fully lets him in. Yeah. 
and then they look, they look like two kids walking through down the street carrying his his case, you know, up to Neil's house. Yeah, they're both carrying that 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 darn trunk that is part of his. That's how he travels uh, throughout yeah. the country to sell his. With, with with every time you go away playing, come on, brilliant yeah. song. It's so cute. Also, I realized how many films uh, feature John Candy carrying a trunk uh, on a long journey. Uh, it's this and Spaceballs, as far as I know. You might recall him carrying the match luggage. Yeah, of uh, course, through the desert. In the desert. Yeah. So, I, I, and all, all, only within a couple of years of, of each other. So, yeah, I don't know. Is that a theme? Is that? A... I think it's a theme. I think it's a tradition, a candy tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have to watch all the candies. All the candy films. Make sure. How many yeah. times is he carrying a trunk around? But yeah, no. You, I think you're right. Like there, that is. Once it gets down to the the reality of these guys, it's not the the tension of the trip or the, you know, their their guard is completely down. Um, I mean, the the movie just leads to a really a, a perfect ending, um, mm-hmm. and a connection that, where they get to be, uh, they're most vulnerable to each other. Yeah, uh, and it's yeah. a nice serious turn that that I think works really well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very um, earned by the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some other familiar faces. Uh, I'm just going to run through some names real quick uh, as we see throughout the movie. Uh, fourth billing on the movie is Michael McKean. He was fourth billing. <laughs> he was fourth just a cop. Billing. The, the... <laughs> He's the cop at the end. <laughs> He was a big star at that point, though. I he, mean, uh, I guess know. he was. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dylan Baker, who would later go on, if anyone's seen uh, Todd Salanz's Happiness, a uh, memorable mm. role in that movie, and sure. many other things. But um, he, he's also in Delirious, if you can believe it. So, oh, is he? Yeah, and Disclosure, which we talked about on our Halloween Two episode. That's right. How about that? Uh, Martin Ferrero, who uh, you'd you'd remember from the Miami Vice pilot and uh, Jurassic Park, right? Was he the hotel clerk? Wait, no, he's he was... yeah, he's one of the, the hotel clerks. Yeah, the other uh, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, at the end, the the fathers who are you know who would be Neil Page's father and his father-in-law are uh, played by Richard Hurd who yeah. we all remember from V, the original miniseries. Uh, and, gosh, so many things in the 80s and 90s. He was all over the place. Oh, yeah. Uh, and George O. Petrie, who, for you Dallas fans out there, was Harve Smithfield on the long-running uh, television classic. Uh, mm. That was the Ewing Family Lawyer. Oh, interesting. So, always good hmm. to see a, a Dallas face here. We also see uh, Charles Tyner, who was uh, uh, yet another hotel clerk who accidentally switches their credit cards. Yeah, uh, he was. We we you know saw him when we covered Harold and Maude earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Irwin, who is the older gentleman sleeping on Steve Martin's shoulder on their uh, plane ride to nowhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we'd see him again in Home Alone as well, part of the Hughesiverse. Mm-hmm. Of course, Ben Stein appears briefly in this, and we had uh, seen him in Ferris Bueller. Yep. And the previously mentioned Ferris Bueller's dad, Lyman Ward, is his Lyman name. Ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, always great to see him. He'd pop up. I, I always thought we'd see a bigger career from him, so I was surprised it never really like took off. Mm. I guess that is surprising. But, You're right. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Well, also, and don't forget, the, oddly, the cat burglar or the the guy who robs them uh, in the hotel room that's uh, that's Gary Riley, who is in summer school. One of my favorites ah. with Mark Harmon. Uh, I think he played, was it, oh, I don't remember. Was he the one with the nickname? Yeah, the, he was one of the horror fans, uh, the, the, one of the two kids, sort of the Bill mm. and Ted kind of duo. Uh, and I think he was in Stand By Me. So, I mean, uh, we didn't see much of him after after a certain point in the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, I, 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 I kind of connect those movies together, um, all, three, all three of those, every time I see him. Uh, yeah. In this one. So anyway, just uh, but yeah, I mean, you list the star. I mean, that's the thing. This is a who's who. Of great well, and then there's throughout this there's film. one there's one other uncredited person mm. who there's quite an online debate about whether or not they're actually in this movie. But I mean, I just watched it and I swear she is uh, one of the cars that they pass on the road while they're driving is Susan Sarandon. What? Susan There's a shot. I want to say it's at an hour and 18 minutes is the time code. I could be wrong, but Mm -hmm. there's a shot where they cut to this couple in a car, and the woman looks up, and as she looks up, they cut. But it, people swear that it is Susan Sarandon. I wonder. Have we we gotten any information on this? Any further evidence there there's not a lot of evidence of it just you know you'd have to watch and see for yourself so make sure you head down to your video store this holiday weekend and pick up uh, planes trains and give it a give it a give it a watch and give it a rewind yeah i mean it's the holiday season so everybody's watching this one it's a holiday classic Mm -hmm. so hopefully you'll be able to rent it i don't know yeah i wish you luck Um, should we should we talk a little box office? Uh, how did uh, how did this one do? It did okay. It had a, it had a pretty hefty budget at the time. It had a thirty million dollar budget, so feels Holy like crap. a pretty big budget for this kind of movie. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a lot of money to put into any movie back in the eighties. Uh, wait, I have it. Let me pull up my info. Uh, it ended up going. I know it, Where'd it go? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, go ahead. It opened up. Um, it opened up November twenty fifth, nineteen eighty seven, and I mm-hmm. believe it premiered at number three, mm. with what a uh, seven seven million dollar opening weekend. Do you uh, do you happen to know what one and two were? Uh, oh, the Last Emperor. That yeah. Oh, the Last Emperor. Emperor. Yeah. So it was La- Last Emperor and Three Men and a Baby probably kicked its ass, because uh, that t- Three Men and a Baby had a ten million dollar opening that weekend. So, yeah, it was a well, big last uh, and yeah, and Last Emperor was the big uh, Oscar winner that year. So yeah, it was makes sense. High. Makes sense. It was going. Yeah. So yeah, but so. I want to say you know I, I I didn't discover Planes Trains until it hit video. So same. Uh, that was that was one of the dad rents uh, rents the movie Friday night on the way home from work. This was one of those, mm-hmm. and I was I remember being really bored by it the first time I saw it. I was just. I you know I think I it was just it went over my head you know I was looking yeah. for more uh, crazy slapstick comedy so 
yeah, you're a kid. It's 87. You know, there's no other kids in the movie. It's not a, it's mm-hmm. not, it's a couple of old men. You know, Steve Martin's got gray hair, you know, he's. Yeah. And apparently cool he's like guys. 30, he's like 36. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, he's just seemed, but he yeah. seems old. Like, <laughs> yeah, know? I'm cringing now. So. <laughs> What? What? You've got that full head of hair, that full, rich, rich, colorful hair. You're doing I'm just going to show up with a full head of hair one day and just see how people react to it. <laughs> you just got like five inches of hair just flowing off. Yeah. Off, off your dome. Uh, but, uh, okay. So, yeah. Now we know what it went up against. If we know what it op- opened with, what it got, uh, it finished, what, around 50 million, I think, right? For the for the yeah, year, no, it's like forty nine point five, I think. Not bad. I think it put it twenty first overall for the year of. Not of too 87. bad for eighty seven. A lot of big movies, so. Sure. Do you remember yeah. what what was the first? I think we I think we've been in eighty seven before on our show, haven't we? Uh, uh, Predator. We, Predator. we talked about it in Predator. Oh, okay, so what was the number one movie of eighty seven? Number one, uh, batteries not included. Of course. <laughs> Followed by Mac and Me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, three Men and a Baby. Uh, Fatal Attraction. Was number one. Hills Cop 2. Yeah, Three Men and a Baby was the number one of the year. Wow. By a large margin. Large margin. Good for uh, that movie. I lo- I'm such a big fan of Three Men and a Baby. Anyone who knows me knows that. You're Yeah, you're a Three Men and a Baby head. Uh, mm-hmm. you, have the po- you have the signed poster. Um. I also have a uh, I, I have a personalized poster where it's my face superimposed over all three guys uh-huh. and the baby. So like I'm the three dads. The three. I'm the three men. You change it to three Johns and yeah, a three, little and three. a baby John, and you're also the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just but like myself. Really, so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but of course, Fatal Attraction, Beverly Hills Cop Two, Good Morning Vietnam. These were the other top movies mm-hmm. after that. So not yeah. a so a little bit of family fun, a little bit of drama, a little bit of co- action comedy. Uh, you know, it was 1987. A fun year. 87 had it all. Yeah. Hey, you know, the Dragnet movie uh, made more money than Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Can you believe uh, that? Yeah, well, well. You know, Ackroyd was a big, uh, big hit as well. He used the box office gold at the time. Ackroyd, Hanks, together yeah. again. I'll take it. Yeah, early Hanks. Love early Hanks. Early Hanks. Love the '80s Hanks. Yeah. But so uh, so, so yeah. Back to planes, trains, though. So what do you think? Does it? Uh, I, I think we pretty much covered. Does it? Does it work in 2019? Is it worth watching? Yeah, because I'm still. I watch them at the airport, and I'm still getting stressed out. Like shit. Mm-hmm. It's yep. it's it's just like that. It's. It is hell on earth. Like, yes, it works. Nothing's changed. The airports are still terrible. Uh, yeah. Traveling is terrible. Uh, nothing ever that works. hasn't changed. It's never smooth. It's, it is hell. Uh, you know, it's got, and it's got to be hell when you want to. Is it worse when you want to be where you're going and you can't and you're having the problems or when you don't want to be? Going where you're going, and you're you're still traveling, you know what I mean? I don't want. Yeah, to go. probably that one. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. This just this just uh, accentuates the whole problem of traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. 
But, uh, you know, I definitely, like, watching the airport, I, I, like, I tensed up a little. I was just sort of, like, muscle memory, like, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but um, you never, the, the, the movie's about relationships and who you are and who can change your life, who can come into your life and have them a profound effect on you. And I think we all have that story in us um, that everyone is a stranger until they become your friend. And... Uh, uh, all your friends are just strangers you haven't met yet. Um, or also, all your enemies are friends you haven't betrayed yet, which is my personal mm, that's mantra. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> that's how. Yeah. No, but it's uh, you know, it's funny, it's clever, it's smart, it's sweet, it's sentimental, and and it it just works. The story works. The characters work. Their performances are are arguably their best of their careers. Um, and it's John Hughes at the peak of his. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say yes, and I would highly recommend giving it a shot again if you haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, get there. I, I, I think this has got something for everybody. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and and it's, I it's think good for the family, too. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't mind F-bombs, which in this day and age, you really shouldn't. It's just It's just words. But damn, is if that scene isn't funny as hell. Oh um, God, there's nothing. Man. There's nothing off-putting about this. Uh, that that can't be enjoyed by everybody. So it's yeah. just a lot of fun. So yeah. Um, uh, so give it a give it a shot this uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, I think it's uh, you know it's just about time to get the turkey uh, roasting. Is that what mm-hmm. we're doing with the turkey? Do you roast it? Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Roasting yeah. a thing. Bake, mm. You bake uh, bake the turkey. We're going to bake it. I think you bo- I boil mine. Bo- good choice. Very tasty choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Boiled turkey. Mm. Come, but, yeah, we want to... Uh, <laughs> we want to say thank you to our friends. Uh, Curtis Moore, thank you for the poster. And E.K. Wimmer, thank you, as always, for our opening theme music. Uh, don't forget to check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, and you know, don't forget to check out our social media on the Facebook, on the Twitter, on the Instagram. We are Reconsinimation Podcast. Uh, check us out there, and we hope you guys have a really great Thanksgiving weekend. Relax, spend some time with the family, watch some good, fun movies. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy yourselves, enjoy your loved ones, whether they be blood, whether they be found. Uh, it's uh we we are gonna be having I think a good, good time here where we are, and yep. uh, I hope the same for everyone out there. And uh, we're gonna head towards the Christmas holiday season, and we've got some fun ones to uh, to hit uh, this December, and we will be back in a couple of weeks. You guys have a great Thanksgiving. Bye now. <laughs>